Hey y'all, welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, where we discuss life in all its hues. Today on episode three, we are discussing anxiety part two, mommyhood and blackness. Both of these topics are close to my heart. Being a new mom, I have experienced a ton of anxiety and worry. Um, I, I can recall when my daughter was first born and looking at her and attempting to breastfeed and struggling in the hospital to to be able to breastfeed and, and remembering how I felt like breastfeeding would be the best and greatest nutrients for her and would just set her on the right path and, you know, really beating myself up if I wouldn't be able to breastfeed. Um, Luckily, I was able to breastfeed, not as long as I would have liked, but I was able to breastfeed and that gave me a little bit of joy. But, you know, that's really where the anxiety began when I had when I had my daughter because I remember looking at her some days and just worrying whether or not I was ready. Was I equipped to be a good mother to her? Was I equipped to raise her, you know, the way that my mom raised me? Would I provide her the safety that she needed, the the guidance that she needed, and really encourage her to grow in a way that would be most successful for or most beneficial for her, and that would ultimately lead her to her own personal success. I remember thinking, what can I do? How do I identify what she's interested in? Um, interested in? Um, how do I identify her likes, her dislikes, so that I can put her in classes and things to enhance those um, things that she was interested in? Because I wanted to give her the best opportunity Um, I could possibly offer her to have the life that she wants wants to have. Um, I definitely thought about whether or not I, you know, whether or not I wanted to push her into things that I was interested in, or to kind of give her a a a direction, or just kind of go with what she wanted to do and what she was interested in. And then as she started to, I thought about all of this, mind you, when she was like an infant and just, just worrying, is she going to, is she going to die in her crib? Because they always tell you about crib deaths. Is she going to have cradle hair or cradle cap, whatever that is? Because she was born with a head full of hair. Is she going to lose it? How will she get it back? I mean, just all types of crazy things. I was obsessed with trying to get it right. And then as she got older, I realized she would tell me without even knowing what her interests were. She loved music. I noticed very early that music was her thing. She would dance, bounce, look, you know, become attentive when she heard a certain drum beat um, and certain uh, music. She just was very vibrant and smart. And I could tell that she was observant. She would watch everything I did. Little did I know as she got older and she's just two. And let me tell you, I'm dealing with the terrible twos right now. She wants to do everything that I do. And I laughed because the other day I was on Instagram and Serena Williams had posted her morning routine with her daughter. And in the like first two minutes, she was already cracking up because she was like, she wants to do everything I do. And I was like, oh my God, I can relate to that. She 
everything I do. She, at this point, can walk and she's talking a little bit and I see her repeat and do things that I do from trying to sweep when I sweep, trying to bring boxes up the steps that she has no business lifting, but just trying to be helpful. Um, she, she'll hug me or hold my face or put her hand to my face as if she's nurturing me. I'm like, little did I know I'm worried when she's an infant about how I can shape and mold her and she's shaping and molding me. She's definitely learning me some patience because at a terrible two, she's bossy, she's stubborn and, um, you know, don't take offense to me calling her bossy, but she is. She likes things her way. She doesn't want to listen. Um, I also remember having angst about discipline. You know, old school, spare the rod, spare the rod, spoil the child. And I just was like, you know, I knew for me growing up, spankings weren't things that motivated me. They didn't. I hated them. You could talk me into tears. Um, just let me know that I disappointed you, and that was enough to to set me straight. And I just wanted to make sure that I learned my daughter enough to be able to know what what kind of discipline to provide. I can tell you right now, time up timeouts are failing me because she doesn't want to sit still. She has a whole fit. Um, I laugh because I think Gabrielle Union posted her daughter on Instagram flipping out um, under her daughter's page. And she wrote this like paragraph about how she has mastered whining to get what she wants. And I was like, amen to that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, timeout doesn't work. My daughter, I remember reading, I actually bought a book about not, you know, the origins of whoopings and um, it's called... uh, why black Amer- black America should stop whooping their kids or something to that effect. I'll have to get the title and let you guys know on the next episode. But um, yeah, so I was her name is Stacy Patton. That's the author, and I was reading that because I'm like, I don't want to do any damage. I want to make sure that I do this right, you know. And one of the things was um, she wrote in her book was whoopings or or beatings make your children violent. Well, let me tell y'all something about my daughter. She was born violent. She she came out violent. Like I remember when she was like three months, and I did something that she didn't like. She pulled my hair. She uh, poked at my eye. I mean, she uh, yeah, she was already violent, and I never laid a hand on her. So I kind of side eyed the book as I was going along because I also there was context to the book. The author had been abused all her life through foster care and some other things. And so she had she had some leanings to towards why she was against whoopings. But I got the the premise and, and the base for what she was trying to say. And I do believe that we sometimes take advantage of the innocence of a child and the the smallness and weakerness of the child to then lose it and go off on a child because we haven't managed our patients because we're frustrated because they have caused us more mess. So it's very selfish in why we do certain things, why we react to kids certain ways. Um, and I also, in that book, she said she was uh, researching and said that whoopings kind of were their origins was from slavery and that 
when we were in Africa, we didn't whip our kids. Um, and I know for a fact, no disrespect to Africans, but I was in a CVS one day and these kids was running, ripping and running up and down the aisles. I mean, flipping stuff over. They ran into me, stepped on my foot and kept moving. And the mother, the father, and I think an uncle was right there, said nothing, did not discipline them, not once. I think they yelled and said, stop, maybe twice. And those kids, it was like three boys and a girl, kept at it. I mean, didn't care who was in the store. And I had seen that a lot with other cultures, you know, not just to highlight Africans, but I've seen it in other cultures where it seems as if the child is running the parent and they're okay with it. And a lot of times it's boy children, but, and I thought that that leans more towards more of how their culture is more patriotic. So, um, patriarch, patriarchal. So they, um, yeah, not patriarchal, <laughs> but they lean more to growing boys up to be the man of the household. So they don't discipline or direct them as much, or at least the mothers don't, they allow the fathers to, but that's just observations that I've had. I, I, you know, there's, I haven't done the research to really understand why, but all of those things I reflected on when I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to, you know, whoop my daughter or what kind of discipline I would do, um, with her. And so, yeah, we're at this point now, like I said, the terrible twos where I'm like, I just want to do it. I just want to treat her right and raise her right. Because it's just so dangerous. If I feel like if I make a mistake, it could be so harmful and dangerous to her and her livelihood and her and her well-being. Because when she gets to school, she's not going to be able to fall out. She's not going to be able to do those things because the way the school is structured, especially when Black kids do or behave a certain way, they immediately go to punishing them, suspending them, and you know, tearing down their early foundations in order to beat them into omission or, you know, submission. And I just want to make sure that I am not setting my child up for failure and setting her up for larger disappointment in life because society is going to beat on her and, and abuse her enough. I don't want to start it at home and make her feel comfortable with it. But at the same time, I don't want her to be so disrespectful or, uh, you know, just all over the place that, that she ends up in situations where I can't protect her. And so I can honestly say motherhood has really, it has put a lot of anxiety on me. It has put a lot of stress on my thought process and, but it makes me think more strategically and it, it makes me more engaged and more present. But I just, I struggle with, trying to do things right because I just don't want to let her down and I just don't want to to set her up for a lifetime of hardship. And I know I can't control it all, but I just want to make sure that um I'm doing the best I can with what that, with what I have. Um with that, you know, that leads us to our, the second topic, which is blackness. And you know, I'm raising a little black girl. And like I said, in the school system, they are purposefully 
I believe, and systematically structured in a way to punish Black students harsher and more harshly than they do their other counterparts. And I think about those things when raising my daughter, but I think about it in context and just in general, because at this point where we are as a society in America, I I'm I have anxiety about just walking out the house being a black woman at this point. I, you know, people are flipping out. I think I've mentioned this on the first two episodes. We're going through the coronavirus. People don't want to wear masks. They are shooting and killing people, fighting people because they simply ask them to wear masks. There is just this this anger that has seemed to build up and ran over, is running over and out into the streets. And, you know, I heard the other day about Breonna Taylor, a 26-year-old Black woman who was shot and killed in her own house because the police did an unannounced raid on her and her I think it was her boyfriend or the male in the house shot one of the police in the leg because they just bust into the house after midnight, you know, and I'm worried about him because, you know, when a black man does anything like that, whether it's within his rights or not, there's always a harsher punishment. I'm saddened by the fact that this young lady has lost her life and she isn't the first one to lose their life in their home. And it's just like it's becoming this theme. So it's working up my nerves, Um, you know, and just prior to that, you know, in February, I heard about, I didn't hear about this in February, but I heard about a man named Ahmaud Arbery, who was 25 years old, who was shot, who was chased down, hunted down by three white thugs and shot. And although the media was only highlighting the two white men who, one who shot him and the other one who was in that truck, they're finally acknowledging the guy who recorded the incident to be just an accessory to the crime as well, just as involved as those other two white men. And um, and I'm glad that they're all arrested at this point, but it took the outrage of society, um, more importantly, Black Twitter and some of the social media to really bring light to this case. Um, it was... I tend to not watch the videos and things of these incidences, but I actually saw this one and um, boy was uh, upset. Um, It upset me something terrible because, you know, like I said, I tend to avoid it for my own personal mental uh, sanity, but I would just happen to be on Twitter and this video came across my feed and I pushed it, not knowing what I was looking at. And I watched this black man fight for his life for two gentlemen who were in a car wanting to hop out with a shotgun. And this man fought all the way to the end until they shot him. And then he fell out in the street and it tore me up because I just thought to myself, what do we have to do to be safe in America? He was running. He was jogging, minding his business. He happened. It happened to come out that he stopped into a house that was being built and looked in it. And of course, whenever there's a black person shot, instead of us focusing on the people who are doing the shooting, they always want to highlight and 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 misrepresent 
the the black person who shot. They always want to, oh, well, he was trespassing. We thought he had stole something. And then they go back in his his past to find anything criminal to then highlight or in the news realm, um, real, instead of highlighting only the white men who shot and killed this man who was innocent and unarmed. You know, it's just, I think about it because I have two black nephews. My daughter has two brothers. And I just think about these young black boys growing up in this society. When are they safe? It gives me, it breaks my heart and it just upsets me that we don't, we don't know when we're safe or we are honestly, we, at this point, we don't feel safe. We don't feel safe at all because if you're in your car and you get pulled over, even if you are being the most cooperative, you'll get shot and ki- you can get shot and killed. If you're running in your neighborhood and you happen to have an interest in real estate, and ironically, my daughter's brothers and as well as herself will probably have interest in real estate because their dad is into real estate. So I can only imagine them showing interest in, in an upcoming house or wanting to look at the architecture and then being accused of stealing something from an empty house or, you know, they're minding their business walking down the street and someone just don't like how they look or they assume, they assume that they are somebody that has done something that was malicious or illegal and they just shoot them or they harass them, or they um, uh, bully them. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. And and if anyone thinks that, you know, as Black people were overreacting, I think that's just inconsiderate and insensitive. Blackness right now in, its, in, its, in itself is a dangerous predicament to be in, and we can't even control it. I was born black. My daughter was born black. There's nothing we can do. Her brothers, my nephews, they were born black. There was nothing we could do to change that, reverse that. We didn't ask to be, and I'm not ashamed of my blackness. I'm proud to be black. It's just absolutely devastating to me that being black now can literally, and and not as if this is the first time. I'm just saying in my lifetime, it's literally can be a death notice for yourself. It, you can walk out into this world, be the nicest person, the most honorable person, and you can be killed because someone else perceives you a certain way. And if if that doesn't get you anxious and give you anxiety and make you feel uncertain and, and uneased, I don't know what else will. I don't know what else could. And so it's just, you know, people have been putting mental health at the forefront and it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Check on your brother and sister out here in in the black community because, you know, every day we hear a new story that is tragic. Um, I can think of another story of a man who was delivering something in a neighborhood. I think they said he was working for like a furniture place. He delivered something in a gated community meaning the person who he delivered to had to let him in. He was trapped by two white men in their cars and harassed to find out who let him in. What is he doing there? Where is he going? As if he did anything but drive the the truck that he was driving, unloaded the stuff that he was there to deliver and got back in his car, in his truck. 
but they had the audacity to question him and harass him about why he was there. And it wasn't until the person he dropped the furniture for came down and met them or called or something to that effect to tell them to back off that they backed off. This man was in tears, grown man, grown black man in tears. Why do we have to deal with this? Why is this a, a thing that we have to face at this day and age? So, yeah, yeah, um, I know on episode two, we talked about anxiety and I talked about it on a real, you know, surface level and about the silly things. But there are serious things that impact us on a day to day basis, us people of hue. And, you know, it sometimes it goes untalked about and unacknowledged. And I just couldn't let it go on acknowledged on my platform on this podcast because it means it it impacts me every day it impacts on me on how I raise my daughter it impacts me on how I relate to my nephews my daughter brothers like it it impacts me heavily and um I just had to to talk about it because I didn't want to leave the subject of anxiety and not dig deep into what we're going through and, and, and what is happening on a day-to-day here in, in, you know, the United States of America, but more importantly, across the world. You know, we there are people everywhere going through things that are causing them angst and and that are affecting them and their mental health. And a lot of the times... It's nothing that they could have ever asked for. It's not a consequence of what they've done. It's just because of what they look like. And and that's sad to me. Um, so yeah, yeah, guys, I just had to come back and and close out this this uh subject matter with some seriousness and and a little heaviness because I felt like it needed to be talked about because I wanted to talk about it and because I know that I'm not the only one going through this. And so um, please follow me at The Human Experience, T-H-E-H-U-E-M-A-N-E-X-P underscore podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. On Instagram, please write your comments and give me feedback on this episode. I want to hear your stories. I want to hear what you're going through. Um, And I just thank you for taking the time out of your Saturday or whenever you listen to this, um, for listening to this and and, um, following this podcast. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. And stay positive out there.